Hey everybody, I'm your host and life coach, Kim Gross, and this is the Masks Off Podcast. In this podcast, I'm helping parents and teachers of teenagers and young adults to explore and understand the masks we often wear because of people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies so that they can guide their children and students in removing the masks and honoring their true selves. Each week we dive into how to go from a people-pleasing and perfectionistic prison to freedom, empowerment, and showing up fully in the world. You will hear about my personal experiences and wisdom, as well as from my knowledgeable guests. If you're ready to remove your masks and to help your children and students to do the same, drop into this week's episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim Gross, and this week, my guest is a returning guest. I'm so excited to have Dr. Hani Messinger. Did I do it better this time? I know the last time yeah, I botched it. <laughs> my name is always botched up, and I'm grateful that you said it pretty much to the T, so thank oh, you. You're welcome. I try. I really try, because I know how that can be. Oh my goodness. So I'm so excited you're here for another episode. We are going to have a great conversation, a little different from our last one, but nonetheless, very, very important conversation that we're going to have momentarily. But as always, I will begin with a quote and the quote for today is the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. And that's by Peggy O'Mara. And the reason that I chose that is number one is because I'm a parent of two. And I know that when I have talked to my children in a negative and critical way, I know that that becomes their inner dialogue, their inner voice. It has. And the same happened for me growing up that when my mom was critical or judgmental or even anxious and nervous, the way she was became the tapes in my own head. That became my inner voice. And it was what it was until it wasn't. And that's why I had to do a whole bunch of work. And that's what we were just talking about. And before we jump into that conversation, I invite you to share who you are, even though many people will know you, but just for those who are just jumping on to Masks Off for the first time, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. And first off, thank you. I'm just feeling incredibly humbled and grateful to be here. So thank you so much, Kim. You're welcome. So a little bit about me. My name is Dr. Hani Messinger. I have my doctorate in occupational therapy with an emphasis on mindfulness meditation. Mm -hmm. I speak and teach all over the world when I have the opportunity to do so. I published a book entitled Breathe, Breathe, Breathe. And I recently came back from a conference in Paris in which I presented my doctoral thesis to other professionals, OTs and PTs and educators, and ultimately with everything and anything that I'm doing is really to be of service, especially to parents and teachers and really for anyone that's working with kids. And I 
do a lot of online coaching, specifically working with parents that have children of different needs and different abilities. I love that. And I'm always so impressed and so amazed by how much you have accomplished already in what I feel is a very short time. It might feel very long to you. We were just talking a moment ago about one of your recent presentations that you just gave. And before I started recording, I was sharing with you that I thought it would be very valuable to the audience to talk about where you were, say, 20 years ago and where you are now and how you got there. That's one part. And don't worry if you forget both parts, I'll bring it back together. And then the second part is your experience that you just had at this last speaking event where you noticed some of those old patterns coming up and you're like, oh my God, I thought I handled that. I thought that was done with and what that experience was like for you. So why don't we start with a little bit about your backstory in terms of where you used to be? So I grew up in a very ultra orthodox community. And when I'm speaking about this community, the intention is not to portray it in like a negative light whatsoever. It's ultimately my experience with how things transpired personally in my own life. I grew up being told a lot of extreme things because it was a very extreme community that I was in with things along the line, specifically how to dress, how to eat what was appropriate or inappropriate, especially as being a female. Let's say when I was about 12 years old, riding a bike was something that was highly, highly frowned upon. And I was so excited, so enjoy riding around in my neighborhood, in my community. And individuals stopped me and saying that this is not modest. You're being immodest by riding this bike and you're causing other people to sin. So you should stop doing that. And when I was about 12, 13, I stopped riding that bike until I was about, I think like maybe in my mid twenties, I was like, I really appreciate riding a bike. I actually rebought a bike and I started riding again. So I grew up in this community that was pretty close-minded with how to do things and what to do things, sticking within the community, not really branching out. College was highly, highly frowned upon in the immediate community that I grew up in. However, in the school, the high school that I went to, it actually was semi-encouraged a little bit. The high school wasn't too keen that I was going to a co-ed college, but they did give my parents a hard time releasing my transcripts. But the community is ultimately like close-knit. You do pretty much what other people are doing. However, even though I did grow up in this very closed community with how to dress, how to eat, how to walk, how to be, especially as a female, you need to be modest, you need to be quiet, you really need to kind of be the person that's being of support to the other people, especially the parents, like we need to be very respectful, even to the elders, even if people aren't maybe so respectful to you. So that was some of the themes that I grew up with. However, when I was eight, nine years old, I was always exposed to more of a modern orthodoxy within like family. My families, we would do one thing in school, but we would do something completely different when it came to the summertime. So I kind of had a little bit of exposure through my cousins, 
when I was younger, but really in the school system, it was one thing. And then the home environment was a little bit differently. So it was a lot of like, not quite sure of the school is saying one thing, parents are saying one thing, but then other people are doing different things. So it's like, what is going on? Where do I fit? What do I do? Like, this is okay in certain places, but not okay in other places. So things really started to shift when I was about 14. I started realizing that something's really not quite right. Something's not feeling good. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. I didn't even know like the word at that time, but I was experiencing a lot of anxiety surrounding like a lot of these things that were happening. When I was 17, that's when things really, really shifted. I graduated high school in three years and I had opportunity to go to Israel for the first time in a more of a modern Orthodox world world environment. And that was the first time traveling internationally and starting to see the world. Like there's these modern girls that are with me and they're kind of dressing and talking and being a certain way. And I was like, hmm, I like that. And that's when started to like catapult a little bit of how I grew up. And there's certain things that I appreciate and there's certain things that I kind of did not appreciate. And then I started to shift at 17 and then 18, I started working with therapists, really like deconstructing, but really that was surrounding a lot of significant anxiety and significant childhood things that were coming up at that point. Until when I was about 23, 24, and I think we spoke about that in mm -hmm. the other podcast in which I had a broken engagement and that really catapulted a lot, a lot. And then I was introduced to Dr. Shefali's work at the time and went to 1440. And I want to share one massive experience for me. So 1440 was a meditation retreat. Dr. Shefali was leading it and Susie Lewis was co-leading it. And one thing that was really indoctrinated growing up for me is dress. Like as a female, you need to dress a certain way. You need to cover your neckline, cover your elbows, cover your knees. And that was something that was really, really indoctrinated when I was like sixth and seventh grade. You always needed to wear socks or pantyhose. Your knees wouldn't, couldn't be shown. And if it was shown, you can actually get in trouble and you could actually have to pay a fine. And if you got three fines, you would potentially get kicked out of the school. So it was really really highly, highly indoctrinated when it came to dress for me. So I was so nervous wearing shorter sleeves, wearing a lower neckline, wearing a dress that's not so modest within the community standard. And at the retreat, I felt like very strongly that I really wanted to put on a shorter sleeve shirt and wear some leggings. <laughs> and I went over to Shefali and I told her, I was like, I feel like I'm in a, a safe space and a good space that I'm going to try this. However, I'm going to wear the leggings and the short sleeves, but if you don't see me tomorrow, it's very likely that I got struck by lightning because that's what like, I, like if you don't dress appropriately, something bad's going to happen and you're going to ultimately die or something is going to like really, really happen. And when I told her this, I think I was 25 at the time. I was shaking, like really, really shaking. Mm. And then Shefali like came over and she embraced me. And she's like this indoctrination. She's like, you, you know that you're not your dress and you know that you're not your clothing. And I kind of, I know that on an intellectual level, but then something internally because of the indoctrination surrounding it so, so, so heavily, I'm like bloody the fuck. <laughs> insane. Like you, almost like you have these tools embracing that, standing into that power and dressing how I felt. And then the next day I had this massive shift, this realization of a lot of the beliefs and a lot of the things that were instilled was completely not accurate and really relevant to my ultimate own destiny and my own being. And these things, they served its purpose during that time. And I had this aha and this realization, almost like this mini awakening of 
that who I am and really who everyone is, is love and light and essence. And I Mm -hmm. felt that to my core that when ultimately when I chose to dress or when I'm choosing to do certain things, like it's okay, because this is what feels good. And this is what feels right for me, because I know some of these ideas are just stemming from other people, whatever it may be with it. So that was just shifts. Uh, I love that. And you know what, what you just shared really does point to the quote that I shared at the very beginning, which I will say again, the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. So what you were told and what you were conditioned, strongly conditioned to believe became so much your inner voice. And that's why you said, how did you say it? You said you knew in your head that you couldn't, but you felt it so deeply in your core that there was something wrong. And this is what I'm so, and I'm so glad that this is coming up because what I'm so passionate about is sharing the message and helping parents and teachers to see and understand that the way that we do talk to our kids, the way that we treat them and condition them and the way that society conditions them is what co-creates and contributes to them putting on masks. And that's what you were wearing. You were wearing this mask of how you had to be living in your community. You couldn't be your true authentic self back then. You didn't even know what your true authentic self was. And you were being told over and over and over again to cut yourself off from your intuition, from your true self, because you were told how to dress, what to eat, how to walk, how to talk, how to be in every way, shape, or form. You couldn't be cut off any worse than that. And that is what is happening to our kids. So by the time they're becoming teenagers and young adults, they're feeling depressed and anxious and lonely and lost because they're just going throughout their days and their lives wearing the masks and not knowing who they are. Or if they know who they are, they know they can't be that. It's not safe in many ways to show up. You couldn't show up as your true authentic self growing up. You said even in school, you you would have gotten fined. And then if three times you could be kicked out of school because if your elbows were showing or your knees, if you had this desire of riding a bike, right? Riding a bike, for me, gave me such a sense of freedom. I feel like you can just feel so free riding a bike. And you are not allowed as a kid to do something that can give you such a sense of freedom. Talk about taking away your sovereignty and not being able to be your sovereign self. So I feel like the message the new shift needs to be a way to help parents and teachers to be aware of when students and children are putting on the masks and how to start to have the conversation about why are you showing up as a people pleaser? Why do you feel you need to be perfect? Why do you feel you need to 
maybe be a class clown in order to get the teacher's attention or to have this one think that you're cool or why do you feel you need to be the jock or whatever it is that they're trying to do to be fit in or belong. They're trying to fit in. It's not true belonging. As we know, Brene Brown says, there's a difference between wanting to belong and fitting in. What we really want is to belong, but teens and young adults just try to fit in. So this is so important. And I know that you also are on a mission for helping parents and you have a background in, in education as well, correct? Yes. So part of my doc was a sub category in education as well as in mindfulness and meditation. And a lot of the work that I've been doing over really the past three years virtually is working a lot with parents, teaching them skills to better to be of support to themselves, mindfulness, self-care, things that really help them better show up to be of support, especially if they're having children of different needs and different abilities along with like teaching them basic occupational therapy skills that they can maybe use for themselves and use for their kids so that they're better able to be more present so that they're better able to be of support and show up and so that they're able to kind of get to know who they are and almost like adulting themselves and like Shafali says like parenting themselves so that there's still going to be the conditioning. There's still going to be different levels of beliefs that are going to be instilled in kiddos, but at least maybe it'll be slightly less. And the ultimate for me of why I do what I do is like, I know what it was like growing up with the different levels of indoctrination and the different levels of like childhood traumas that I want to serve as that preventative measure, at least to help the parents prevent certain things and nip things like in the butt as it's coming up. And if need be though, a lot of the times I do refer the parents out to like other mental health providers because I am not technically a mental health provider. So I know what I can do and what I'm not able to do and to really be of support with that referral and serving as that messenger as needed as well when it does come to that. Hey friends, I didn't mean to leave you hanging. We'll get back to the show in a moment. Are you wondering whether you're a people pleaser or a perfectionist? Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, Kim, of course I know I am one, but I'm not sure all the ways that these patterns show up. Well, you can take my people pleaser perfectionist quiz on my website at kimgrosscoaching.com and find out the answers. And if nothing else, the quiz is really fun to do. Now let's get back to business. And I love what you said, and I feel the same, is that we can't really eliminate the problem altogether, but we can help parents to nip it in the bud. Conditioning is still going to happen. We still live in a society where there is so much social conditioning, expectations and norms, things like that. But if parents are becoming more aware and more conscious of their own patterns and behaviors and doing their own inner work, then they are in a position to be of more service to their children. Same goes for teachers. If teachers are doing their own work, they are in a position to be able to notice when their students are struggling to show up as their true selves. If a student and I speak from experience because I was a high school teacher before I had my son. So I know what it was like to be in the classroom and on the other side. And I wish that I had known then what I know now, because 
what I feel was happening with so many of my students who were teenagers, I had, I was teaching high school, was when they were acting out or they were failing, that there was some level of, if, if I really took the time and I went underneath, underneath, underneath with that student or those students, I can guarantee there was some level of that student not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy enough. I used to say, even back then, I never felt or believed that any one of my students wanted to fail. No student wants to fail. No student wants to get in trouble or get suspended. No one, we're all good at the core. We all want to be good. There are all these set of circumstances that are at play that are catapulting or creating or whatever that student to act out in that way. Does that make sense? And so that if we can, if we as parents and educators can look at it from that standpoint and Shafali would teach all the time, right? Look at the behavior, you see the behavior, but what's underneath? What's the why? What's underneath, underneath, underneath. And so that's the part that's so important. And I'm not here to say that we, you or I have a magic wand and that we're going to be able to make all this go away. It is a process and it does take time and the patterns continue to show up. And so when we're talking about where you were or where I am, where I was, and for both of us, our stories, our past, our history is the catalyst for the work that we have done to be where we are now. And I just want to highlight and say that you and I both concur that where we are now is not perfect. <laughs> there's still, no. there's a still work in work, progress. a work there's in progress, like levels of healing. Like you think healing's done. It's never, it never is be the fact that we are humans. I think it's like a lifelong journey of yeah. growing and learning and I think in my younger years, I felt like, okay, I did this. I worked through it. I felt the feelings. I felt the anxiety. I felt the sadness. Okay, like I'm good. And not realizing it is a lifelong process and it is a spiritual path. And there's not one direction, two directions. There's a multitude of things and different experiences will bring up things that need to be healed. And it'll come into the back, you know, in the front of us and we'll be able to see it. And like I was telling you before our conversation, before we went live, that I did a woman's retreat this weekend and certain things like I felt I worked with and I deal with and it like, like maybe 10 years ago, I really would have gotten caught up and really fixated and st stuck with what was coming up for me. And I was able to be the observer, watch it, notice it, see that I need a little bit of help, like deconstructing that journal about it. And then I'm going to talk to providers surrounding that, you know, to really figure that out and to further heal that wound and to further just learn and grow and transform through the experience, because I think that when things come up, we have the opportunity to easily just like push it away and be in denial and pretend that it's not there. We have the opportunity to kind of look it in the eye, tell it, I see you, I know that you're here. I know it's from past indoctrination, childhood or whatever, and just be with that, allow it, sit with that and just look at it with this novel eyes of that learning and growing piece. And then it's just transformation transformation but not attached to that transformation either but just using that and 
taking charge with that and not getting caught and upset and being that victim and oh my gosh, woe me, I wish this didn't happen or that, but no, this happened, this is coming up and now it's opportunity to revisit it because clearly it's on your conscious mind. That that was beautifully said, by the way. I love how you said not getting attached to an outcome, not getting caught in it either. And I think the difference is that and what you're describing so well is that bridge of how you get from where you used to be. And I always call it the prison to paradise. So the prison, the paradise is the growth, is the transformation, is the freedom, is the peace. That's what I mean by paradise. And what you described as the bridge to get from prison to paradise is welcoming it. And saying, okay, here you are. Like, what is that saying that Tarbock says all the time? Let's have tea, Mara. Let's have tea. So Mara being that pattern, being that inner child wound, whatever you want to call it, let's have tea. So you're welcoming it rather than pushing it down and pushing it away and recognizing that it is coming to the surface. It is coming into your awareness so that you can heal it so that we can all heal it. And that is how we grow, transform and evolve. So I love that you shared all that. And then just as we round up, round out the conversation, tell us about, cause you just mentioned where you spoke at a retreat last weekend. And by the time that this episode airs, you will be teaching again. So tell us about that upcoming retreat that you're going to be speaking at. I'm going to be speaking in a retreat. I think it's in somewhere in New York. I forgot what this It's something with the D in upstate New York. And I'm going to be speaking about mindfulness meditation really one-on-one. It's really for people that have limited to no exposure to really just to get a little taste and a little feel of what is mindfulness, what is meditation, and how can I learn to cultivate even like a little mindful minute in my day-to-day life. And the utmost intention is really planting that seed for people to start to think about, for people that are just starting maybe on this spiritual journey, or even people that have been on this journey for a while, the intention is really to just catapult that just being and being with oneself. And I'm going to be speaking in upstate New York at a music festival. So I think there's about a thousand people that are going to be coming there. And this is like, so much joy. I don't think there's going to be a thousand people at the top. There was probably will be about 30 to 50 people that will join this workshop. And I'm humbled and excited because it brings me so much joy, like speaking and teaching on mindfulness. And people were saying like, oh, there's this teacher and that teacher. Why are you speaking about it? And it's like, oh, there's this book and that book. And the other day I had a conversation with someone about potentially a speaking engagement. And they're like, oh, we have this already. And my response is like, I hear that. And I know that there's other mindfulness meditation speakers and facilitators, but there's no one that has my uniqueness and there's no one that has my story and there's no one that has my energy. So I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing despite other people saying that there's other people that's doing it 110%. There are yet I'm doing it my own unique way. So I was really proud for standing in my power and because a big direction of where I see myself going is speaking and teaching on mindfulness meditation and really simplifying that process. So like a teenager and a young adult or even someone that's elderly can simply yet effectively be able to take and use some of the material, some of the information into their daily life. I love that. That's great. 
when we are done recording, you can send me the name of where the retreat will be so that I can put that in the show notes. So if anyone sees it and they are in upstate New York, which is not far from where I live. So there may be people that are listening, watching this and well, hmm, upstate New York, that sounds good to me. <laughs> so we'll put that in the show notes. So once again, I am so grateful that you agreed to do another episode with me. It was such an aligned conversation. I just feel that I could easily talk to you for a couple of hours and just keep going with this information. And it was really beautiful. Is there anything else in terms of where people can find you, anything else that you'd like to share before we close? First off, thank you so, so much. And so humbled and so grateful. There's one thing that was coming up, and I think it's important that I bring this up again, that with what I shared is a reflection of my own experience, and mm. it's not a reflection of the community. This is my yeah. utmost experience. I also want to bring up something really quick. Sometimes we compare ourselves to other people, and I know that I had a tendency to do that. And as Susie Lua says, the ultimate person to compare yourself to is yourself. And during this retreat, in comparison to previous retreats I've attended, I was able to see how far I came from my early 20s to where I am right now. So I was seeing that comparison piece. And that's, I think, also that transformation and that prison, that prison of that bridge that we're cultivating. Like it may seem mm. tough right now, but everything really isn't impermanent in this true self path when you're comparing and seeing that shift from not your friend, not your family, not your mom, not your dad, from yourself, that's the ultimate comparison. And to be like, wow, look how far I've come with it. Yeah. Thank you so much for underscoring that. And really what you're naming is a 12 step slogan, which is to always look at the yardstick behind you and not in front of you, which is just being able to look back and see your own progress to focus on that. And also, as you said, not to compare to what other people are doing, but if you keep that focus inward and on yourself and like, wow, look how far I have come in the last five years, 10 years, two months, even I've had some really big, huge spiritual growth spurts in the last four months. So being able to reflect on that rather than looking at where I still need to go is the antidote to wearing the perfection mask. So I just had to highlight that because I heard when you said that, I'm like, ah, that's the perfection mask or the antidote to it. And I need to name that since I do help people with perfectionism and people pleasing. So yeah, that was really beautiful. So thank you again so much for being on. And I really, truly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Me too. And I guess people can find me at my website or on social media, Dr. Fani Messinger on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn too. And I'll have all that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so much. I really appreciate our conversation. It's really, really been spectacular. And thank you for all that you do to really be of support and make this world an even better place and raising that consciousness and helping people to really take that mask off and really start to like reflect and think about things. So thank you. Mm, I appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. So thank you everybody for listening to another episode of masks off. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would subscribe or leave a comment or a thumbs up and I will see you next week.
If you enjoyed this episode of Masks Off and you're ready to take the next step to overcoming people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies, you can reach out to me at kingrosscoaching.com and book a call. You can also join my free Facebook group for more inspiration and tips. The link is in the show notes. I would love it if you would subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget to share it with others. See you next Thursday on Masks Off with Kim Gross.